Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I didn't even First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by betonline.ag. Please use our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, 50 to get 50% up to 50% of your initial deposit matched by betonline.ag. Football season is going on really crazy right now. Some of these games are unpredictable. Week one was insane. Enjoy the rest of the season on betonline.ag. Make yourself some money. Believe 50. We're powered by the Believe Podcast Network. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Ed Kratz as always. Ed, the Eagles are playing Minnesota tomorrow night. We are recording on Sunday today. But the Eagles do play tomorrow night, so we're going to do our Eagles versus Vikings preview early this morning right now as we speak. It is 10.30 in the a.m. Anything can change from the injury front, just so we let everybody know now we are recording at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. We don't really know the officials of the injuries yet. We will discuss them, but again, we are recording ahead of time. So let's get into it, Ed. I noticed a crazy, crazy stat from Jonathan Gannon last week, and saw it on Twitter, and I... I want to give a guest shout out to Shane Heff, who was the one who put it out there first. Um, the amount of cushion Jonathan Gannon, and again, this was a problem last year too. But the reason why I want to start off the podcast with this is because the main issue of the Eagles playing the Vikings this week is they're going up against an elite talent in Justin Jefferson, and you need to figure out how to stop Justin Jefferson in that passing offense. So Kirk Cousins struggles on primetime football, as he always does, and they're able to beat the Minnesota Vikings. But Justin Jefferson is the key to all that, in my opinion. Dalvin Cook can do what Dalvin Cook does on the ground. That does not theoretically mean the Vikings will win the game. Same thing with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson can put up some gaudy numbers, but the Vikings have not gone to the playoffs since drafting him. So that doesn't mean those two going off will beat you. But in a sense, if they both do well at the same time, I'm pretty sure you're going to lose. So you're going to have to stop one of them. I think asking the run defense to stop Dalvin Cook this week is asking too much. We're probably going to complain about them for another week, just to be honest with you guys real quick. I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a day. I think the Eagles are going to be run, complaining about the run defense again for the second week in a row. But there is one thing that I think they can change. The coverage. You have a top five, arguably a top three cornerback trio in the NFL. Vontae Maddox played like one of the best slot corners last year. Struggled in week one, but I'm going to chalk it up to week one woes. Let's see how he does in week two. He's playing K.J. Osborne. You have James Bradbury and Darius Slay. Undoubtedly, just those two together as a duo, a top three duo in the NFL, undoubtedly. You're playing six yards of cushion to D.J. Shark and Aroma St. Brown. Good wide receivers 
Romo St. Brown, I think he's going to become great. But right now, they're good wide receivers. Justin Jefferson is elite. Adam Thielen is great. They cannot afford to give that much yards or cushion to those wide receivers in this Monday Night Football matchup, Ed. I know that's something that John DeGannon he does. A, it's not just a week one, 22-2 season thing. This is a whole entire thing last year as well. This is a theme with him. Given that much cushion and being afraid to be beaten over the top by a team that does not really have a speed option, they traded for Jalen Rager. They're hoping he could become their speed guy. Still is early in their process. Just got there. Not going to happen in week two. They don't have a speed guy. So to be so afraid to be beaten over the top by the Minnesota Vikings would be ridiculous. And you're just asking for Kirk Cousins to gash you with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Ed, are we going to see something different this week? Probably not. Um... <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen anything different from Gannon in terms of where he, how he deploys his cornerbacks really since he's got here. He doesn't really seem to press the receivers a whole lot. And, you know, one of the keys to this game for me, Connor, is a pass rush. The Eagles have to generate a pass rush to make uh, Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. And, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't big for keeping plays alive and scrambling and this and that. So you kind of know where he's going to be if you're able to get to him. Um, and you're not doing your pass rush any favors when you're playing that far off of a receiver. If you're giving them six yard cushions, you know, they get the ball out quick. And that's one of the biggest excuses. I'm so tired of hearing Gannon and the defensive line talk about how Goff got the ball out quick and how all these quarterbacks that have good games against them get the ball out quick. That's like the default excuse. It's a robotic answer every single time. And when you're talking about, cornerbacks to play six yards off the line well of course the quarterback is going to get the ball out quick because he has that cushion his receivers can just run a quick slant or turn around or you know uh just kind of speed their way through the secondary and and the quarterback's going to get the ball out quick so if you're pressing a guy that that might help your pass rush a little bit and i don't understand the disconnect between seeing that with gannon if gannon can't see that i mean they had 29 sacks last year they had one this year that was impacted by uh, you know, a fumbled snap, you know, a low snap with Goff and Rag now, and Graham and Fletcher Cox shared it, but they probably don't get that sack unless the, if the snap mechanics was sound. So, you know, that to me, uh, if you let Cousins sit back there and, and pick these guys apart and they're giving them soft cushions and it's going to be a really long day or night on Monday night in Philadelphia. I know, Gene, I know Darius Slays and company, man. He's not going to be a guy that talks out in the media about you know his displeasure with the coaches. I know he had issues with Matt Patricia, but it was really in-house. You got to think this guy of his caliber is just like, what the hell? Like, he's going to want his opportunities versus Justin Jefferson. He's not going to want to have Justin Jefferson have gaudy numbers, and then everybody looks at him from the outside looking in that doesn't know this scheme is, all, is, is, is cringe. Um, you know, it's really interesting. You and I kind of came to the defense of Jonathan Gannon so much not having the personnel now we're kind of just changing our tone after week one but i mean it's because it's the same issues as before you get all your your players in place you get your hassan reddick you get your jordan davis you get your james bradbury you get your chauncey garner johnson and you get your linebackers and your defense looks the same yeah yeah completely unacceptable last year really i thought it was the personnel that was kind of the issue and you know, gave Gannon a pass, but now, you know, he's under a harsher microscope, at least from me, um, who kind of defended him last year because he has the personnel. And now, 
you know, how come he's not utilizing it? You know, like the pass rush was the number one offseason priority for this team. Howie Roseman told us that at the combine in Indianapolis at the end of February. And it still is an issue. And yet they brought in Hassan Reddick and his 23 and a half sacks over the last two years. You know, they upgraded that area. Um, you know, they brought in Jordan Davis to kind of maybe make a push up the middle to get in a quarterback's face. Um, you know, they, they've done things to up, upgrade that spot. And yet here we are still questioning it. Brandon Graham coming back. Now that's a big addition from last year after he went out in week two with the Achilles. So personnel's better. And yet here we are looking at a one sack game against the Lions. Now I know it was only week one and you can't read too much into it, but if this becomes a trend where, you know, they can't get home, uh, then it's going to be a problem. And this is a game where, you know, I think the interior of the Vikings line uh, isn't the best, you know, Garrett Bradbury, a former number one draft pick uh, from Boston college is the center. You know, he, he's not, uh, he, he's not playing that well. I don't think he's had a very good career. So, you know, right there, if you look at him and the two guards, I think the Eagles can get some pressure up the middle with Cox, with, uh, you know, maybe Hargrave. I thought Hargrave had, you know, probably a worse game than Cox last week. But, you, you know, Hargrave, Cox, Davis, Marlon T, Milton Williams, you know, you have to get some pressure up the middle and allow those edge guys you know, if you can't step up, then the edge guy should be able to get home. So that to me is a key is pass rush. And that pass rush should really happen from the interior where the Vikings aren't the best. Even their tackles are inexperienced, though. I know Christian Jarsaw is a first round pick, but he's still yeah. finding his foot in the NFL. And Ryan O'Neill is their best offensive lineman. And he's, you know, still young as well, too. The chemistry and offensive line is not there for Minnesota. There's really no excuse this week. I'm going to tell you right now. There's really no excuse this week for not to them generate pressure on Kirk Cousins on, on primetime football because, you know, say it's a miss, say whatever you want, say it's a fluke. Kirk Cousins plays different when the lights are on him. If you can't put pressure on Kirk Cousins on primetime football and you let him pick you apart, huge red flag for the defensive play caller. Huge red flag. And, and, um, and not just, you know, primetime. I mean, you're at home. You know, this crowd, when the Eagles are on defense, should be so loud that it should be hard for – cousins and his offensive line to communicate you know they have to make it tough for them to hear uh and that would play into the eagles advantage and the eagles do play better defensively usually at home because the crowd is behind them and they feed off of that so you know when you have that plus the fact you like you say cousins doesn't seem to play well in prime time now cousins does play well against the eagles he's six and three against philadelphia with you know 21 touchdowns six interceptions a passer rating above 100 uh, he plays well against them. So, you know, is he going to be the Cousins who plays well against Philly or the Cousins that doesn't play well on primetime TV? I think the Eagles have a big say in that. They have to figure out a way to get to him, impact him. He can't get the ball out quick. I don't want to wake up Tuesday morning and have to listen to how they got the ball out quick again. Um, we heard the same stuff last year when they only had 29 sacks, but there has to be a way to combat it. And like you said at the top of the show, man, that, that six yards of carry stuff, I mean, six yards uh, cushion from the DBs, that would be kind of a way, if you could press them, that helps your pass rush. Yeah, the amount of pressure that the Eagle, uh, Jonathan Gannon's scheme is putting on the pass rush is becoming evident over the last, uh, not even two years, it's only one game into the second year. Yeah. My thing is, 
the Eagles' philosophy, even with the arrival of Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, has never changed under Harry Roseman. They went through the trenches. The vestments are in the trenches. You know, this is we're looking at back-to-back years. They put second-round picks into offensive linemen. Another year where they paid defensive linemen, edge rushers, brought back Brandon Graham, traded up to draft Jordan Davis. The investment in the trenches has not changed. The philosophy of the Philadelphia Eagles, even with these arrivals with these coaches, has not changed. At some point, there's going to be some restless personnel decision makers, a.k.a. Mr. Roseman in the building, with how this defense is looking if it continues to dwindle and perform the way it did against the Detroit Lions. Is there anything in you that tells you, hey, I know John again had these three head coaching interviews. That seat's a little warm. You better pull it together. Is there something? Is there any inkling in that? Well, I mean, Sirianni continues to express his faith and confidence in Jonathan Gannon, and really, yeah, that's not kind of the way the Eagles do things. I, I don't think they like to replace their coordinators this early in the season. I don't think they've done it. Now they've done it late. Um, you know, Andy Reid fired Juan Castillo and promoted. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's years and years ago. And I know they fired Chip Kelly. For the you know a game left in the season in 2016, so um, you know or 2015, I guess it was. But yeah, I mean they, that's really not the way they do things. But I don't know. I mean they have a guy that Darius Slay has really talked up as being a potential D coordinator, and Denard Wilson um, and Vic Fangio, of course, is sitting out there, and you know he runs a similar scheme to Gannon. You know Gannon really uses Fangio's scheme, right? Um, is he going to be much better? Is he going to be able to get out of this defense? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I would be surprised if they were to let go again. And if, but listen, if they, if they give up, you know, 30 plus to Minnesota on Monday night, and then they let Carson Wentz come to, uh, you know, next week, put up, you know, 25 to 30 again. I mean, if this defense is continually giving up points and that's the bottom line is total points allowed. But if you're, you know, if you're letting these teams score 25, 30 plus points, in the first month, you know, Trevor Lawrence comes in here with Doug Peterson in, in early October and puts a big number on him. I, you know, things could change, you know, things could, could start to get ugly and maybe, you know, Gannon's seat grows a little bit warmer and they do have to replace him. But I, I don't see it. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think the Eagles will play better on Monday night. I think the home crowd will help them. I think having a game under their belt will help them. I think they'll tackle better. Um, we'll see about the conditioning. If it's better, it's supposed to be a pretty warm uh, day in Philadelphia on Monday, uh, a lot of humidity. Um, so, you know, I don't know how the conditioning is going to look, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think, I think Gannon will be the coordinator. I think he'll figure it out um, eventually because like you said, he got three head coaching interviews last year. I mean, he is highly regarded um, for whatever reason. And, but, you know, Certainly, I'll be a bigger critic of his this year if things go south quickly, unlike last year. And the defense did kind of right itself last year. Um, you know, they played better as the season went on. So, you, you know, listen, week one, they got a win, didn't play well on defense. Week two, you hope they play better on defense and still find a way to win this game. It's going to be tough. I mean, the Vikings have a lot of good personnel on both sides of the ball. And, you know, they're every both teams are healthy, um, you know, going in. There was no injury designation for anybody on the Eagles' final injury report. I don't think the Vikings had anybody of consequence either. So, uh, you know, this is – I think these are two of the top five teams in the NFC. I really do. I think they're two very good teams. And, you know, 
maybe it's a little bit early, but I think we this could be a we could see a rematch of this game in January, maybe in the playoffs somewhere all along the line, because I think these two teams have the ability to get there. Um, but that Eagles defense does have to play better, and and I think it will. I think the Vikings win the North. I think this is a really, really tough task for the Eagles to play the Vikings this early. This is going to really tell uh, Eagles fans and the whole entire fan base and the organization what caliber of team they truly are against this team. This Vikings team is is a good team, very good team. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think you're right. I just you know they cannot afford to play the way they play defense against the Detroit Lions, against the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night, or they will lose. They will lose. I have no doubt in my mind they will lose if they play the defense the way they did against the Lions. The Lions, you can take opportunities against and let them have opportunities against. You can still beat them. I don't think the Lions – I mean, I don't think the Vikings you can. Yeah. I think once the Vikings take advantage of you and you give them an opportunity, it's done. They're going to run away with the game. That's a, that's a Sean McVay offense over there now that – you know, Kirk Cousins has been accustomed to already. That was what he did in Washington. Um, Justin Jefferson, again, is off to an historic start. Even we had to even ask Asante Samuel for his comments for Eagles Today at SI.com. How you, you would even defend Justin Jefferson and his advice to James Bradbury and Darius Slay. So go check out that piece as well. But because we're even so worried about it, we had to ask the expert of how he would handle it. So yeah. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very very tough game. It's gonna tell it's gonna really be telling of what caliber team the Eagles are because again week two they've actually have been a pretty bad week two team this last decade. So I don't think this will tell the tale of the whole entire season not at all. But I can definitely tell them what caliber team they are against the top teams in the NFC because I really do believe in the Vikings this year. I think they won the North. So we'll figure it all out come Monday yeah. night. But they cannot play the way that they played on defense against the Detroit Lions and expect to be the Minnesota Vikings. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, the Eagles haven't won a week two game since 2016. So, um, you know, six years since they've been two and oh, because they never win week two. And even in their Super Bowl season, they lost to the Chiefs and then they ran off nine wins in a row uh, after that and ended up 13 and three, number one seed in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, this will give the Eagles a good gauge where they are, but it's only September. Again, you lose this game. It's not the end of the world. It's, uh, you know, you, yeah. you you have a short week. You go down to Washington to play Carson Wentz, and that's a division game. That's one you have to win, really, no matter what time of year it is. So, uh, you know, uh, it would be great to win, but a loss isn't the end of the world. So I hope people keep that in mind. You just hope a loss doesn't look like, you know, 40 to 24 because the Eagles couldn't stop the Vikings offense. Uh, I think the over-under for points scored is 50 in this game, and my final score reflects them going over. Um, but, man, the more I think about it, I mean, the Vikings defense is pretty good. They have some good parts. Harrison Smith, can't, Jordan. I was about to say, can't forget Zedarius Smith that they added with Dan, Daniel Hunter. Smith, that is... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good end, uh, two ends there. So, I mean, their defense is good. I don't know if we'll go over, you know, the, I, I, my final score reflects them going over, but maybe it's because I have an extra day to think about it, you know, because they play Monday night. But now I'm thinking it might be kind of an under type game because I think the Eagles defense will play better being at home. Um, and I, I just think it might go under 50 at this point, but I, I'm sticking to what my final score was originally and I have it going uh, over. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's another chance that both these teams score in the 30s, to be honest with you. Yeah. Say what you will about the Vikings front seven, and like I just did, but that secondary, I know Harrison Smith's still Harrison Smith, but it's very beatable. 
Very beatable. Andrew Booth yeah. Jr. is out. Their and, top and, rookie corner. Yeah, and Patrick Peterson's older. He's slower. I mean, he should be not, a safety. Yeah, he shouldn't even be a corner anymore. So right. I'm not worried about their. This is the week where you take advantage of A.J. Brown's ability and Devontae Smith's ability because even if they hone in on A.J. Brown after his performance against Detroit, they don't have the guys to hone in on A.J. Brown. And if they do hone in on A.J. Brown, wow, the opportunities for Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins, and Devontae Smith just went booming because that secondary is not equipped to hone in on a player. So that is the way you're going to beat them is through the air. I don't know about the ground. They really improved their front seven, very improved. Yeah, I um, and, and you know they play a lot of zone on defense, and that's typically you know not Jalen Hurts' best games have not come against zone. So this is a big test for him too to see how much he's improved and how much he's learned to uh, read defenses because they're going to do some disguising of some things, and they'll probably default to zone a lot of times, and that's going to make it hard for Hurts to run. Um, so he's going to have to find a way to make plays through the air and understand where he's going with the football against his own defense and who's doubling who. Um, and that's kind of what a lot of this game, in my opinion, hinges on not only the defense finding a way to stop Justin Jefferson. And let's face it, nobody has figured out how to slow down Justin Jefferson. The guy's got 3,200 yards receiving after 34 games, which is better than Randy Moss, better than Jerry Rice at this stage of the game. Uh, I mean, the guy has just been phenomenal. And what hurts most is, you know, you think, well, he could have been an eagle. <laughs> but would he have had the same career? I don't, Who knows? Um, but that's all water under the bridge. But to me, so it's the defense and then Jalen Hurts. Can he figure out a way to dissect what the Vikings are going to do to him? He should have a little bit of an advantage in that the Eagles play a similar style of defense to the Vikings. So he has seen it in practice schematically. Now the personnel's different, of course, but schematically he should be able to understand a little bit about what Minnesota is doing because he has seen it uh, with his own defense. I want to tell you right now, no excuses for Jalen Hurts, St. Seitch, and Nick Sirianni this week. This is the defense is still trying to understand that new defense that Ed's talking about. It's their second game with that defensive coordinator. It's, it's still an adjustment. It's still chemistry. It's still trying to figure out the scheme. This is a week where you try to take advantage of that, where your experienced offense that was number one in rushing last year and Jalen Hurts, for the first time in his career since high school, has a, a same play caller for his second season. That experience needs to trump the inexperience of the new system the Minnesota Vikings are on defense. They really need an offensive explosion against the Minnesota Vikings in order to beat them. Uh, I don't have any excuses this week. If they fail, I, I like I said, I know the front seven is very talented for the Minnesota Vikings, but so is the Eagles' offensive line. We keep touting them as the best offensive line in the league. They need to play like it. Jason Kelsey told you he did not do that last week. I looked for that to be a major improvement this week, especially with that great test against that Minnesota front seven. You shut them out, you're back in the headlines for being the best offensive line. Yeah. So that's really what's going to make or break this game too as well. But no excuses for those that offensive unit this week for me, to be honest with you. If they struggle, I'm looking at all those guys and I'm like, well, I need to hear the reasons why because that defense is still trying to figure out the play calls. Yeah, That's still a very inexperienced defense, and it, it did look its part. I'm telling you right now, Ed, I watched that Packers-Minnesota Vikings game. It was more of the Packers' missed opportunities than it was Minnesota shutting them down. You know, yeah. it wasn't – their defense wasn't lights out against Minnesota – I mean, against Green Bay. It was the miscommunications with these young wide receivers Aaron Rodgers has and a couple of dropped opportunities. Yeah, dropped so, a 75-yard pass right on one play. Rodgers, Watson dropped um, a wide-open touchdown. Like, yeah. it, very beatable defense. 
Yeah. That's still trying to figure it out in that new system. If the Eagles can't take advantage of that, that's a very alarming uh, testament to Nick Sirianni, St. Seitch, and Jalen Hurts. I'm just going to tell you right now. They should be able to take advantage with their experience of that inexperienced group. Yeah, well, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, the Eagles are an experienced group on offense. You know, this is, like you said, second year in the system for Jalen Hurts. He's got a lot of his pieces back from last year, all of them, in fact. But, you know, except Jalen Rager. And, you know, we all know he's on the Minnesota sideline. And it'll be interesting to see what Kevin O'Connell does with him, the Vikings coach, if he'll give him a shot to play some offense and maybe have a little package in for him to. I wouldn't be surprised they run a screen with him and they try to show Sirianni how it's done with it. Yeah, be surprised. that's the Rams offense right there. But again, he's gonna return punts. I don't I think the little Jalen Rager revenge game was blown up more by the media than it was actually himself, because I heard his actual yeah, comments. It, he didn't, it was non-flammatory. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of agreed. The reporter asked him, hey, is this a revenge game? It wasn't even her, uh, Rager's words. Revenge game. It was right. the reporters. And he just said, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, and Sirianni said, you know, I asked Sirianni on Saturday about his reaction to that. And he was like, you know, I would do the same thing. You know, I want to come in and be the team that I coached against. And, you know, I, even though I love those guys on the other side, you know, it does give you a little more juice to come in and want to, and try to beat them. So, you know, it's understandable. And, and, and I think any coach, any head coach would do that for a player to try to give him a shot against his former team and, you know, whatever, a couple plays maybe to try to get him the ball and, and see, you know, um, and so I think we'll see Rager do more than just return punts. And I don't know how much more, but I think we'll see him get some offensive snaps. And I, I think the Vikings will try to, you know, get him the ball once or twice to see if, hey, maybe, you know, maybe he is upset. Maybe he will uh, have lightning in his legs that night and take the ball the distance or for a good chunk of yards anyway. So, um, but he's really not the guy that is that big a deal for coming back to town. It's Jordan Hicks. I mean, the linebacker for the Vikings, uh, you know, seven years in the league now, first year in Minnesota, um, had 14 tackles against the Packers last week, including a sack. I mean, this guy, if he was able to stay healthy in Philly, you're going to pay him. But you remember his last year or two, he was never really healthy. And now he left here and he's healthy. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, he, he's going to have more of an impact, I think, on this game than Jalen Rager will is Jordan Hicks. I agree with that, but I also would pick on him in coverage relentlessly. There's a reason why he had those 14 tackles. Uh, I, I don't think he's that good in coverage at all. So yeah. that's actually, I was going to say, that's one of the guys I actually pick on in his return to Philadelphia is Jordan Hicks because of his inability to cover. But again, that's that's uh, that could be also trying to get into a new scheme. He's with the Minnesota Vikings for the first year with them this year after leaving Arizona for multiple seasons. So Jordan well, Hicks is a good player. Don't get me you, wrong. Jordan you know, you know who led the Eagles in interceptions in 2018, right? Yeah, Jordan Hicks. Yeah, had five of them. Yeah. It's pretty well, he's good. he's good. He's always around the ball. Yeah. He's a good ball player. Yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I just think in coverage, he's a liability. And I think this is a game you actually do want to pick on him for that with your, because uh, you're going to be thrown in the middle of the field. Oh, uh, no, you're not. Jordan Hurts does not do that. I meant you're going to be throwing, you know, these slants, these shorts, and all that. But yeah. I know. I don't want to criticize him right there. I did. That was a little staff because he did. I actually, I, I saw improvement. Saw a little bit of improvement in the middle of the field. It wasn't where you wanted to see, but it was a little bit of improvement compared to last year because he was not targeting that side of the field at all. No, I mean even Goddard. Goddard had three catches in Detroit, and they were all kind of on the screen or you know on the outside of the of the, of the field. And he was able to you know do a lot of yards after catch. He averaged twenty yards a catch on those three, three receptions, but. Yeah, I'd like to see Goddard over the middle a little bit. 
Um, he, he did throw some slants to A.J. Brown, uh, you know, in the middle of the field. Um, so that's, you what know, that's what the middle of the field one, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a work in progress for the middle of the field, Jalen Hurts. So what is your final score prediction? I know you said you're going to go over 50, but what is your final? Yeah, I, I just – I like the Vikings in this game, but I think it's going to be a real close game. But I had the Vikings winning 30 to 27, um, kind of a real back and forth type of a game. Neither team really opening up more than a, you know, touchdown or 10 point lead. Um, I think the Vikings are can be explosive on, on offense. And I know that's kind of against what Jonathan Gannon plays. He tries to not get beat with the big play. And that's what the Vikings philosophy is. So I think we're going to see you know, some, some, some decent drives. And I think the Vikings are just going to outscore the Eagles. And it's going to be one of those games where you're going to come out thinking, man, I, I'd like to see these two teams play again. And we might in January, but I just think, you know, Kirk Cousins record against the Eagles. Um, you know, I think the Vikings have a lot of confidence after beating the Packers. I think the Eagles have a lot to prove on defense, even though they won. They have a lot that they need to prove on defense, and I'm not sure. I mean, I think they'll play better, and it doesn't sound like I think that because I have the Vikings scoring 30 points. But um, if the Eagles can get, you know, three-plus sacks and keep Cousins on the move and make him feel uncomfortable, then, yeah, the Eagles can win. But they have to prove it to me first that they can do it. They haven't – that defensive line hasn't taken over a game in a, in a while, and that's what they need to do. That defensive line has to come to play. And if they do, I think the Eagles will win, but they have to prove it to me first. So that's why I'm picking the Vikings 30 to 27. It's a lot of I'm points. On, I'm unfortunately doing the same thing. I they I don't expect John at the end to change. I think that's gonna be a huge reason why they lose. You're putting way too much pressure on your defensive line to perform, putting way too much pressure on your corners by letting they already have to make the tackle as soon as they get in their stance because the Gawaders here already has the ball with all the all the cushion they gave up. You know, you're asking a lot, and I don't see John again changing that in one week. Um, but what I would really like to see, and I think it is, I do think it's possible the Eagles win. I'm with you on that, at least. I have the Vikings win 34-27, but what I really would like to see that I think is possible, and will, and if it is possible the Eagles will win, bring that same energy you brought at the NFC Championship game. I know that was for the trip to the Super Bowl, but, you know, the Eagles hate the Vikings. There, there is some kind of tension between these two organizations, and it's really fueled by our fan base. The Eagles fan base hates them. It trolls the Vikings. They bring up 38-7 to 7 every single time. They get the link going insane when the Vikings come to town. It makes a very hard environment for the Vikings to play in. I know what Kirk Cousins' record is against the Eagles, but if the Eagles can bring that type of energy, make the home crowd get into it, force an interception, I'm telling you right now, they could win that game easily then. They can make that game go out of control with the momentum on their side, especially with the talent that the Eagles possess. So if they can come out with that energy on Monday night and they really want to prove themselves with the caliber team they are, with all the questions they've been facing this week about how they play against the Detroit Lions, they really want to prove what caliber team they are. You give that Philadelphia energy, show up like it did against the FC Championship game. Go crazy. Play dreams and nightmares in the middle of the field and start going insane. I know it's week two, but get that energy flowing. It's your first home game. If you get that energy flowing, the Eagles get that early. I'm telling you, they're winning. They will win without a doubt in my mind. But if they don't have that energy, they come out a little flat and they start out slow, the Vikings are going to put up 34 points and they're going to lose. 
Yeah. That's just the way I see it going. It, it can go either way, but if as long as they come out with a lot of energy and play like it's a home game and use that to their advantage, I think they could beat them for sure. Yeah, you you want to keep the crowd on your side, that's for sure. I've been in too many games at the link where, you know, the the team's getting booed leaving the field because they played a terrible first half. So it's a blessing and a curse playing in front of your home crowd. You have to you have to start quick and you have to keep that crowd on your side. Uh, all game long. You don't want to hear any boos uh, unless it's for Jalen Rager. And, you know, I put a poll out there uh, as far as uh, would you boo him? And the resounding answer was no. It was like 65% said no. They're not going to know. But uh, you have to keep the crowd on your side, man. You have to keep them engaged. Um, you can't get off to a slow start and go into halftime trailing like 17 to 6 or something like that because they're going to boo you. And it won't be pretty. Uh, so keep them on your side. Keep them revved up, especially when the Vikings have the football. You want to make it loud and crazy. So they have a tough time communicating, just like the Eagles did at Ford Field last week. You want to kind of duplicate that. It won't be the same noise level because, you know, obviously it's not a dome and the ceiling's not, you know, right over your head like it is in Detroit with a low ceiling, stuffy atmosphere inside, very hot. Um but you want to keep the crowd engaged and make them as loud as they can be. And to do that, you have to get off to a quick start and you have to play well, you know, for 60 minutes. So I'll tell you right now, Seattle and their 12th man is being hailed for how they played against the Broncos and Russell Wilson and how they made it uncomfortable for the Broncos with Russell Wilson's return. I'll tell you right now, the Eagles stadium will blow that out of the water. When Carson once returns to town in Philadelphia, blow it out of the water. So I know the impact of the Lincoln Financial Stadium. I know that they don't get enough credit because everybody thinks Phillies fans are just rude, throw batteries at Santa, whatever the reputation may be. But they can get crazier than the 12th man in Seattle when Russell Wilson returns to play that team. I know it. I've heard it. I've seen it. Yeah. So I'm telling you right now, the Eagles, if they have the home field advantage in this game and they, they've had that energy to give the home field to make sure they have that advantage, it's over. They'll win. They'll beat the Vikings for sure. It'll be like the NC Championship game where the Vikings didn't want to hit them. They really will. I know it's a really different team now. They got Jefferson. They got Kirk. New coaching staffs on both sides of the ball. But same Lincoln Financial Field, same fans, same passionate fans. The Eagles have the passionate fans on their side of that game. They're going to make it very uncomfortable for the Minnesota Vikings. And if you make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable in prime time, you pretty much won the game. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, guys. That does it for us. Thanks for listening to our Eagles and Vikings Monday Night Football Preview. We will be back to recap the game, talk about, or probably complain about, Jonathan Gannon a little bit some more, and we'll discuss. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll, we're discussing Jordan Davis's snap usage going up a bit. I'm hoping that. That's my hope for the game. You know, I know that we picked them to lose. You guys are probably booing us right now. We did give reasons why they we think they could win, though. But the one thing I'm looking forward to is – more Jordan Davis snaps, please. Dalvin Cook is going to gash them if not. Yeah, I know 22 snaps for Davis. I, I'd be surprised if it went higher than 30. I'd be surprised if it went higher than 25, to be honest. I think it's going to be a similar package. They don't want to really use him on passing downs yet. Um, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe, maybe Gannon will come out and surprise us all. He'll play his corners closer to the line of scrimmage. He'll play Jordan Davis more. Uh, and the, the Eagles defense will hold the Vikings to – 17 points. All right, folks, you heard it here first. Hell froze over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.